ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. I am your host, Janice Porter, and my special guest today is Aurora Winter. Now, this is going to be, I think, episode 184 or something like that. And um, Aurora was on my podcast back in episode 145, which is kind of cool, but she's come back because she has a lot of interesting information to share with us. And I think that um, we can learn a lot from the type of thing that type of work that Aurora does. She is an award-winning bestseller, best-selling author. She now, uh, and she has a lot of accolades to her name. She's been in um, the movie industry. She's written screenplays. She's walked the red carpet. She's done so many media coach, uh, serial entrepreneur, which is the thing I love the most, actually. And her key focus is helping leaders and entrepreneurs become published authors and polished speakers. And I think that's a good overview to then say, welcome back and welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Janice. I look forward to contributing to the listeners and helping them become more polished public speakers and published authors, perhaps, and also to get their marketing on fast track if they are entrepreneurs. That's awesome. Um, I, I want to ask you, first of all, so what are you up to these days? What's keeping you nose to the grindstone these days? Oh, I have two different things that I'm super stoked about. One is I'm launching multiple books for the authors that I help, you know, to create, publish and promote. I basically launch thought leaders. So there's a book coming out called Confessions of an Accidental Lawyer by my client, uh, Michael Stockham. It already won. It was a finalist in American Fiction Awards in the mystery suspense category. And the book comes out November 11th. So I'm super excited about that and I'm working on a book called Start with Collaboration by Lois Sonstegard. That's super exciting. We've just oh. got the cover and that <laughs> I love Lois. Lois oh yeah through you uh, came to me on my podcast as well and she's amazing. She's so bright and so passionate about um, collaboration in this new world that we're in, right? Yeah. So what's her book called? Start with collaboration. Right. There you go. Yeah. Actually, we she loved working with me so much. We decided to work on a trilogy of books. So start with collaboration, lead with collaboration, and then scale with collaboration. In fact, the same thing happened with Michael Stockham, the, the lawyer. He loves working with me so much. We've got the first book coming out in, in uh, November 11th, and now we're working on six thrillers together. <laughs> so you run the gamut. You do fiction and nonfiction, business books and, and uh, other. Exactly. And for my own books, I have a nonfiction book coming out next year called Mindset Mastery. Oh. But I also have a fantasy trilogy for young adults coming out next year. So how do you separate all that in your mind? Hmm. Well, I just start writing in the morning and whatever project I'm writing on, that's kind of the, the flavor of the day. I, I'm very good at blocking off time. So I allocate 90 minutes every morning, just grab my coffee and I start writing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And that's then discipline, for sure. Yeah. 
exactly. And then later in the day, I focus on, uh, you know, whatever has to be done, like book covers or marketing or this and that, the other thing. But the first thing in the morning is my best time. So I allocate my creative time to that. And that's something all the listeners can do too. What is your most valuable time? Maybe you're a night owl, maybe you're a morning person, block off 90 minutes for your most important project, first thing or last thing in the yeah. day, whatever yeah. time works. Yeah. And my biggest problem is blocking off the time. I, I, I get, I sidetrack myself into, oh, another call. I can take a call there because it, it's not blocked off. But if I block it off, that make obviously visually, that would make more sense. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well, yeah. writing time for me is my sacred time. And yeah. because I do it first thing in the morning, nobody really expects to get a hold of me at 7 a.m. <laughs> no, that's 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 really good advice for sure. And um, when you're working with your clients, do they come to you with an idea or do they come to you with already a plan or do they come to you with here's my audio, make it into a book or all of the above? Usually they come to me with a hunger to be launched to the next level as a thought leader and also with a hunger to be a published author, but not necessarily a clear idea what the heck their book is going to be about or what the title is or how it's all going to work. Um, They tend to be people who are already successful, who are already, you know, executives or entrepreneurs or leaders or experts in some capacity, but they're not necessarily they're not usually published authors. So they realize, you know, I don't want to spend three and a half years writing my book as is typical with first time authors. I want to get help. I want to get this done professionally and make sure that I don't drop the ball and miss something important with the title, with the business plan, with the the, uh, marketing funnel and to make sure that it all goes together. So that's my typical client. And, you know, people who are interested can sign up for a business breakthrough call on my website, aurorawinter.com. That's a free consultation. And what we look at is, you know, what do you want to achieve? How can it best best be achieved? What is the fastest way to the cash for your book or your business? Mm-hmm. And then we put all that together. And usually it ends up being a nonfiction book like Start with Collaboration for Lois Sonstegard. Mm-hmm. You know, she is a, a coach, a leader, a workshop leader, an expert in collaboration. It makes sense. Um, on the other hand, Michael Stockham's book, Confessions of an Accidental Lawyer, He is a very high profile litigation attorney and he wanted more in his life. He's always yearned to be a writer and he has written some short stories, but this is his first published novel and it turned out to be fiction. And so now he's like the next James Patterson. Sorry. Is he Canadian or American? American. Almost all my clients. I was thinking John Grisham, not James Patterson, but you know. John Grisham, sure. Yeah. Of course, but um, that's that's great. I mean, if that's you, okay, so so tell me something because the Michael, the um, fiction author, and Lois, the business book nonfiction author, um, are the uh, aspirations for that those types of books different? Because I hear a lot about everybody should write a book that's in business. You should have a book. It's it's like your calling card. Don't expect to make any money from it, but it is your credibility. So that's the kinds of things that I hear. Can you yay or nay those, those ideas? Well, what's, 
different about me from many people who talk about books and talk about a book as a business card is that I've been a writer since I was nine. Mm -hmm. My background's in film and television. I love words. I love fiction. I love nonfiction. And I have a, a real depth of expertise. So in the film business, I was head of development for Canada's largest film and television production company. I also launched my own film and television production company called Random Harvest. We raised $5 million and that company went on to make eight films, which were fiction. So yes, it is more difficult to make money as a fiction author. You, as a fiction author, it's more a career move. You need to think about more than one book. It's difficult to have a, you know, hit it out of the park with just one book unless you're JK Rowling, right? Yeah. That's fiction. On the other hand, if you, if you have a business, it's very easy for one book to make a phenomenal difference to your business. So Michael Stockham really wants to, to launch the the second stage of his life mm -hmm. and shift into you know the john grisham mm -hmm. he he has aspirations of why not he's he's a litigation attorney he's got so many interesting stories oh, yes, and we're we're fictionalizing them of course but he's got he's got that legal background and uh, a lot to draw on so we're going for it. I really want, I really think that, you know, uh, together I can help him, you know, succeed and launch that next step. But for somebody like Lois Onstegard, we start with collaboration, even though we're now doing three books, just yeah. one book yeah. is enough to make a difference. So in my own businesses, I've used a single book as a lead magnet to get on radio, to get on TV, to get on podcasts. And, you know, for me, in my businesses, books have generated millions of dollars, most of which was not from selling books, but is from attracting the ideal client and repelling the clients who are not ideal. I mean, most people don't really think about Amazon being the number three search engine. But yes, that was a note that I had down. Um, get your ideal clients every day using the number three search engine. And I was like, which, which one would that be? And you're like, of course, it's Amazon. Right. Okay. Exactly. So if you're a leader, expert or entrepreneur and you solve a problem, why not have a really clear, compelling book title that indicates that you solve that problem and don't underestimate the value of somebody first reading your book, even if they only spend 20 bucks or five bucks on your book. It doesn't matter. They've invested time. They've invested some money. These are not just random people. So then when somebody comes to you after they've read their book, your book, they're far more qualified. And that's been my experience. Many times people will read one of my books like Turn Words Into Wealth or Marketing Fast Track, and then they will sign up for a business breakthrough call with me or somebody on my team, you know, and their next um, move is, is a five-figure or six-figure contract. Mm -hmm. So it's very valuable as a business owner. But just maybe to finish answering about the fiction, why am I writing a trilogy of fantasy books? Because I've always wanted to. And I, you know, I love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I love the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And it's just meaningful to me. So maybe that will end up being my art. And that's fine. Or who knows, maybe it'll hit it out of the park and it'll, you know, be like the next Percy, Percy Jackson. I'm not even going to think about being like the next Harry Potter. That was <laughs> so uh, because of my background, both as a serial entrepreneur and as somebody who has film and television background in, in fiction, I am kind of uniquely qualified to help people launch either. So I, this just came to me and I'm curious because um, I mentioned um, my little granddaughter to you before we went on air. 
what do you see as like you have children? Do you see how do you develop that um, the writing skill with children? Um, because I'm thinking it's about first of all make believe and having a big imagination um, and cultivating that through what I don't know just play or um, and then when they get in school, you know sometimes school is the 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 thing that stunts it not not encourages it so just some thoughts around that around children and writing did you ever do any treat uh teaching of children in writing (laughs) actually this afternoon i'm i'm speaking to a group of of students so that's another reason why i'm writing a fantasy series is i want to encourage youth to write um one thing that can easily happen in school is that a teacher says something and the, the student becomes shamed and then that's it. They stop writing, they stop creating. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I like to loosen that up for people is to make it right away language spoken instead of mm-hmm. written because people can get tripped up feeling like oh, they don't know how to spell that word or is that supposed to be a comma or a period? And then they get into their editor brain, which of course, is going to be a black hat and it's going to stop you. So I really encourage people of every age, separate out the four-year-old creative, playful energy that is the writer. Let that part of you play in the sandbox. And on a completely separate day, put on your black hat when you're a school teacher and correct the, the spelling and the punctuation. So when I am in the sandbox energy, if I need to look up a word or I need to find the name of something specific, I don't go online to look for it because that is a recipe for like distraction. Down the rabbit hole. I just put star, 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 and I come back to it later. And then on the days when I'm editing, I will, you know, search for all those star, star, stars. So in terms of encouraging children to write, I think that if you remember how people developed language, we actually develop language around the fire and we told each other stories. The written word is much more recent and until the printing press, you know, was was uncommon for people to even know how to read. Books were like such a precious thing. So don't overly worry if the child wants to tell stories orally, that's great. It doesn't have to be written down. And then, you know, if they want to write it down and and draw pictures, I mean, my first book was stapled together and it was a girl and her horse story, right? And, it, and that's fine. Well, you know, it was interesting. I, I was at, I was over on Salt Spring Island last weekend for a wedding, a week ago, actually, wedding, and we went to the market on the Saturday and it was like going back to the 60s, actually, in uh-huh. that market area. However, there was a guy there who had a booth with um, he had some some kind of fantasy looking books uh, on display and he had a, a set of headphones there. And I stopped because of my granddaughter, I'm always looking at you know books and things for her. And he said that his business was audio and they put together these audio books and he said, listen to this. And I listened to it and it was amazing because it was, you know, um, obviously, um, actors speaking the parts and the the expressions were amazing and the the point the voices were good and all different and he said I said well I think my granddaughter's a little young for that he said no he said here she's perfect age he said you put that you download the story you put it on your on her headphones sit her in front of some Lego or something or coloring or something that she can keep working on while she's listening to the story because she gets distracted really easily. 
And he said, that will start, she will start to listen to the stories. And I thought that was cool. And he said, our goal is to get them off the screens and to have them use their imagination. So I kind of liked that. I thought it was. That's really interesting. And audio is really uh, taken off. Yes. Audio has become huge, whether it's audiobooks or podcasts mm -hmm. such as, you know, your mm -hmm. excellent podcast, Janice. And I like that because then uh, his idea is they can be sort of in training to what is good storytelling while yeah. they're doing something else. And I listen mm -hmm. to a lot of audio audiobooks and a lot of podcasts. It's really great that way. And I also, to be honest, I listen again and again to great authors like Neil Gaiman, uh -huh. you know, uh, Neil Gaiman, the, uh, the ocean at the end of the lane, Norse mm -hmm. mythology. He isn't like a middle grade fantasy uh, okay. author. That's why I don't listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also got, he narrates them. <laughs> uh, himself and they're 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 quite good um yeah uh, complete aside uh google books can be published on google and google has just come out with a beta for free you can upload your book and they will convert it to an audiobook even with voices i'm going to play with this i haven't tried it yet mm -hmm. Now that's not acceptable on all the other platforms because they insist on human narration, yeah. but of course, human narration, it can be kind of expensive. So Terry mm -hmm. Pratchett, in fact, if you go to Audible, there's a, some performances of Terry Pratchett's uh, various books and they're wonderful, you know, all done by Shakespearean actors and, and that's oh, cool. really fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's, I think that's like amazing. listening is really the new reading. I think, I we're think gonna stop right. saying, yeah, stop differentiating between whether we listen to the book or we, yeah read the print version. Yeah, I often ask my my guests, you know, is there preference to watch something to read, a, you know, an actual book, or to listen to a book or a podcast, and everybody's different. So, um, but most people in, in my world are so busy that it's, I, they're listening, you know, and, but if I listen and do something else, I'm not really listening. Yeah. So that's I prefer reading, but, I too. but have more time to listen. So I do both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about, um, we talked last time about your book, Turn Words into Wealth, and um, a little about your structure of how you um, work with clients, which we've done a little bit in a different way today, which is great. I want to talk about something that was in this book, Marketing Fast Track, this book, the little book that launched a new business. And to me, when I read this book, and it was a while ago, but when I read this book, I really saw the entrepreneur in you and the multiple entrepreneur in you, um, which I admire and and I'm in awe of sometimes because, wow, it's kind of cool. Anyway, um, there was something in this book, though, that talked about the three marketing mistakes that even smart people make. And um, I thought that might be fun to um, dissect a little bit with my audience because we all do these things. And <laughs> yeah. So number one, not becoming an expert. Talk about that. Yeah, I think that it is a very fundamental flaw. We focus on our products and our services, but we don't also take the additional step of becoming the expert. So for example, you can tell even in the fact that I know that Google has launched this beta thing to do audiobooks for free and that that's not available on, on other platforms, that little nugget is because I am committed to being an expert in my field. And so I'm right. reading and I'm listening all of the time to absorb more information so I can be a greater gift, I can be a greater service, but I'm also being an expert. So an expert is a lifetime learner. An expert also takes a stand 
for something, not just for their own business. So for example, I founded the Grief Coach Academy and I was a stand, I am a stand for people recovering from grief more quickly and easily. When people would interview me about that, I would bring forth data that on average people suffer from grief five to eight years. And that's heart-wrenching. That's completely unnecessary when with the right process, you can heal from grief much more quickly. It's not to say that you won't have moments of sadness, but you won't be immobilized and in bed, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the Grief Coach Academy and through my books, Grief Relief in 30 Minutes and other grief books, I helped people recover from grief. And I was a stand not for you to enroll in what I was up to at the Grief Coach Academy, but I was an expert taking a bigger stand for something that really mattered to me. And so you can be a lighthouse as well. For example, Lois Onstegard. Yes, she does help people through collaboration. Yes, she has unique collaboration ecosystems and masterminds. And she is taking a stand for collaboration in general. So mm -hmm. she becomes the queen of collaboration. Mm -hmm. Like you, Janice, you are the queen of relationships rule. That is something that you care about. And yes, people can listen to your podcast and they can work with you and they can benefit from your expertise and LinkedIn and send out cards as I have and my clients have. You're wonderful at that. But you're taking a bigger stand mm -hmm. that relationships really matter. And that's what you talk about. And so an expert is somebody who takes a stand for something that is of service to the world. And they also commit themselves to lifetime learning so they are always sharpening that saw and becoming better and better and everyone can do that so i challenge the listeners yeah. how can you become a better expert yeah because you want to be ahead of the game right you want to be that's what also builds to that expert is that if you you get the information and dissect it and whatever before the general yeah. that's exactly right exactly um so number two the number two mistake that even smart people make in marketing is to be impersonal versus being authentic. Sorry. Just ignore it. I'll ignore it. Exactly. So this one goes hand in hand okay. for the first one. So yes, you want to be the expert, but you also want to warm that expertise up with humanity and with authenticity. So many times I see that small business owners, they make the mistake of trying to mimic a huge company like IBM, for example, or like Apple. Don't do that. Instead, double down on your humanity. Be human, be authentic, be real. You know, before we started recording, you were talking about your grandchildren, right? And so that connects me to you, Janice, because you're being authentic and you're being human. So don't uh, feel that if you reveal something that that's going to be off-putting. In fact, it's it's charming, but you want to uh, reveal those things that you're not in the middle of a hot mess of, but you've come through. So for example, at the Grief Coach Academy, when I was talking about that, I would share the story that my husband died suddenly at the age of 33 and our son was four and I was devastated. That would not be a good story for me to tell or for anyone to tell if they were still devastated. Right. But because I had worked through it and I'd come out the other side, I'd gone from heartbreak to happiness, that can be a good story to tell. So consider what are the stories that you could tell that that are kind of every man, every woman's story. Everyone suffers from heartbreak. Maybe their husband didn't die at the age of 33, but they had a breakup, they had a divorce, they were fired from a job, they were going for something and they got shadowed at the Olympics. Everybody's got heartbreak. Mm -hmm. So when you share your unique flavor of heartbreak or whatever the challenge is, it, it can be endearing. And that humanity can also show up um, 
not so much as a vulnerability, but you're passionate about golf. You're passionate about helping people adopt the children from from Africa, whatever your passion is. So add a bit of humanity, double down on your humanity and don't try to imitate huge companies that are so robotic and impersonal. That's not going to work well for you if you have a small or relatively small six, seven, eight figure business. You know, I, I always show people the value of doing that even as little as on their LinkedIn profile. Because if somebody's looking for someone like you and they pay attention to your profile, they're going to find the little nuggets that make them human that they could grab as a start a conversation starter or that they have a um, a similar situation. It's not like you're sending putting a um, a big long story about anything on LinkedIn, but you could lead to a publication that you were in, or you could. Um, you could put an association or an organization that you're part of that would trigger that, oh, then she might be interested, right? So you never know where that can can lead and add to showing you as a human. On, yeah, the, yeah. Other, on the other side of that, though, I was just going to say that I think there's too much of um, showing your, your life on some of the social media um, platforms for sure. And that turns me off. So. Yeah, when people are just, you know, kind of bleeding uh, mm-hmm. indiscriminately without without adding value, you want mm-hmm. to share once you've come through so that you can say, hey, I've been where you are. And here's the struggle that I had. And here's the turning point and how I got through it. Mm-hmm. And I know like you really helped my client Xander Sprague with his uh, LinkedIn profile. And, you know, he launched that book, Epic Begins with One Step Forward. That just came out recently and is an award-winning book and was number one new release when it came out. Yeah, and you were very helpful. So if people need help with their LinkedIn <laughs> profiles or send out cards, contact Janice. She's <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to you. Number three. The third mistake even smart people make, not studying and mastering marketing. And then I, I wrote a quote down that, that you had in here as well. Good marketing is not manipulation. It is communication because I love that. Yes, so yes. number three, not studying and mastering marketing. Now, we can't all be a master of marketing. So tell me what you mean. Well, I, I come from a family of academics. So my older brother's yes. got a couple of PhDs. My dad is, you know, chairman of the department at UBC. Uh, so this academic background, which smart people have, can can sometimes result in people thinking that marketing is used car salesman slimy, right? You need yeah. to get over that or you're going to sabotage your success. And sabotaging your success means that you won't be the contribution that you seek to be to the world. You won't be a change agent for good. So let's redefine marketing as empathy, empathy at scale. Mm. So when you think of marketing as empathy, and then you add that it's at scale so you can leverage your time and you can reach many people 24 seven while you're sleeping with your book or your podcast or your videos or whatever the case may be, then hopefully we can just lose this limiting belief that will sabotage your success, that marketing is slimy, manipulative sales. No, marketing is empathy at scale. When you seek to serve others, you connect with what are their challenges and obstacles and what is the pain and suffering that they are experiencing. That's the empathy part. And then at scale is to share those stories of of your clients or yourself, you know, who who are suffering and how your product or service transformed that. 
So that, that's, a re that's one of the recipes for marketing, for example. Um, so not mastering marketing is more of a, a limiting belief than anything else. But when you think of marketing as your way of communicating, as your way of really being a lighthouse that's saving people from going aground, saving ships from, from crashing on the rocks that could take them out, then you want to broadcast your light in a systematic, strong, confident, and helpful way. And with that mindset, you will study marketing, you will invest time in marketing, and you will think about how you can master communication. So most people know the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. Mm -hmm. I, I like to uh, just do it twice, which also mathematically holds true, which becomes the 64-4 principle. So that means that 4% of the things that you do will bring 64% approximately of the results. And in that top 4% is communication. So the most successful people allocate time to learning how to communicate more effectively. That's in that 4% and that will produce the, the bulk of their results. So mastering marketing, mastering communication, becoming a better presenter, a better speaker, a better writer, or getting help to do the same, this will really make a difference. And I, again, I'm, I do what I, I, what I recommend. This weekend, I took a three-day workshop with Roger Love about mm -hmm. how to have, how to be a masterful presenter, how to optimize and train your voice. So I'm, I'm doing this all the time too, and everyone listening, yeah, I think can really benefit from becoming the expert leaning into being authentic and doubling down on humanity and choosing to study and master marketing. In all really great information. And I think people, this is something they can listen to again and again, because it's got to, and it's in your book, market, <laughs> marketing fast track. And the one piece that was interesting just now, and I'm not calling you out on it, but because, but it's the piece that was missing for me. Uh, and, uh, uh, you had on, on your one sheet, a simple hack to communicate more effectively today. Just keep that there for a second. But when you mentioned about being a better speaker, being a better communicator, I'm sure you meant this implied, but for me, it's about also being a better listener mm. because we don't listen so well all the time either. So right. Yeah. Which is a huge part of communication. And um, yeah. I'm one exactly, of the exactly right. You can't have empathy at scale if you don't listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really about the, the other person. But I don't want it to be implied because I think it's a huge part, right? Yeah, of, of the uh, the communication piece. So as we're that, coming, right? That's all. So as I was we're just gonna say that is the that is the number one hack. Is it service is to listen, is to care and to uh, have the intention of contributing with your communication which hopefully I'm demonstrating during this podcast. My intent oh, is to No, I, I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that's perfect. I always share with people, I don't know when, when I was teaching um, back in the day, I was doing um, soft, what they called soft skills courses um, mm -hmm. for business people around um, uh, customer service and uh, telephone courtesy and things like that. And right. uh, one of the things that, one of the pieces of the day long workshop was listening. And mm -hmm. uh, I used to do some exercises on that, but I read in a book on listening once, um, what's the acronym for listen? Silent. Huh. 
I never thought of that before until that came. And it's like, there it is right there. Right. Mm. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> and that moment of pregnant pause of silence, I think this is a good place to wrap up. And I so appreciate um, your um, knowledge and your expertise and your service that you gave to us today, because um, I think there's a lot of good nuggets in there. So I know that I will put it in the show notes um, where people can get hold of you, auroraWinter.com, I'm guessing. Yes. That's right. Yep. Yes. And um, there's also, I'm not sure if this is still valid, thoughtleaderlaunch.com. Thoughtleaderlaunch.com. They can go to either auroraWinter.com or thoughtleaderlaunch.com and they can get a free Thought Leader Launch Starter Library, which includes audio and video and ebook. So get your free Thought Leader Launch Starter Library, which includes the book Marketing Fast Track, the little book. Right. That's awesome. And it's a book worth picking up. Um, So I hope that my audience will take advantage of that. And one last thought for my audience, one last word of wisdom. Ah, you are more than you know. You know, it's taken you perhaps a decade or a lifetime to learn the things that you've learned. Don't withhold your gifts, communicate them in whatever format works for you, audio, video, write a short story, write a book, you know, your life matters and you can leave a legacy if you put it in some kind of fixed form that people can listen to or read later. I'm still listening to Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and they've, mm-hmm. they've passed on yeah. and enjoying their books as well. So. So don't rob the world of your gifts. Instead, contribute them as an audio video or in a book. Thank you. With that, Janice, thanks for the podcast. It was fun. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you to my audience for listening. Please remember, if you liked what you heard, leave a, a review for us. That always helps. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.